0: thank you. That's nice good. to see you again, mate. Yeah, yeah. you're looking hale and hearty. Yeah, <laughs> a bit cold here. <laughs> yeah. Fully really warm, warm clothing. Oh, tropical up here in Queensland, <laughs> mate. <laughs> anyway, let's get down to it. This is part two of the series that we're recording now. Can you tell our viewers about that?
1: Yes, when you receive a fine rate notice, a utilities bill, any sort of bill that heading looks like a cheque, it's got a barcode across the top of your trust address details and also a barcode that runs along the edge. When you see that in the header, it looks like a check. Yeah, this is an example. You can see the header on this. If you ignore the rest of the page, that actually does look like a check. It's just mm-hmm. what's missing on it is actually a signature. And this is what we're doing. It's a promissory note, a contract to pay. Your sender, being in this case Vic Rhodes, is sending a fine and they're after $800 So what we're doing is we're signing off on it as the beneficiary, as the equity title holder of that trust that they've built, and we just sign off on it and then we return it, as we call it, return to send a remit.
0: Very good. All right. So do you want to explain how this all works? I'll share the screen here for the first letter. So this is your express trust contract follow-up letter. Is that the right one for the ATO? This is the follow-up letter because once you've
1: returned that bill, if we go back to the bill first because there's actually a step in there that we have to achieve before we go to that actual letter. Oh, okay. As you can see there, when you scroll down on that bill, you see where it's been written on. That's it. So what we're doing is in thick blue, always use blue ink, don't use any other colour. What we've done here is we're instructing the sender what to do with this when they receive it back. We have to instruct them what to do because they're going to play stupid. They've always made us to be stupid as adult children or infants not competent enough to act as custodians of this trust. By writing what we write on here, we're actually instructing them how to handle this return to sender remittance. So this bill slash offer is accepted as money for the dollar amount. So it's accepted as money. We underline accepted as money. So we're highlighting that issue. For the dollar value, for the dollar amount shown here, and we've got an arrow going to the due amounts figure. Now take it back and use it as remittance and settle the account. So what we're saying is, you need to accept this into your ledger, accounts receivable ledger, no different than if I paid by credit card over the phone or online or electronic payment system, or I posted them a check for this. Which, mm. So we're instructing them what to do with it. Then we do underneath is yours honourably because we're not making war with them. We're not arguing with them. We're not doing anything of like when we get butt hurt. We generally want to have a bit of a say. We don't behave that way because if we do, we're proving to them, even over the phone or whatever, that we're not competent enough to act as custodians on the trust.
0: Yeah.
1: So we have to be very calm, collective, and to direct and to the point. We're instructing them. We're yeah. not having a discussion about it. It's not what they think or what their opinions are that they want to share. Not interested. No. We're giving you private instruction how to utilise this remittance. Underneath the black line there where we've covered up the personal name, we just put in there the uh, your normal first, middle and surname and you can use the capital, first letter and lowercase or just all lowercase. It doesn't really matter. Don't put hyphen and colons and commas and all that between the names. It's not necessary. We're in their jurisdiction with this thing. This is statute, you see law, so common law and constitutional law doesn't really apply in this. This is all Bills of Exchange Act, okay? So this is the Bills of Exchange Act rules. Then we title ourselves as the Equitable Beneficial Named Estate Trust Title Holder. That basically makes you the principal beneficiary, okay, not the trustee. And we use our straw man signature that we've used all our life. So there's nothing complicated about that. Right. We put a date in there, you put the date you've signed it, and then you put without prejudice.
0: Okay. So what's the name
1: to state trust title? The name to state trust title, if you scroll back to the uh, details there, that would be right there underneath those biocodings. That's who they addressed the bill to. They oh. addressed it to the trust, and you are the trust title holder. They are the custodians of that trust or the trustees. They're the trustee because they created this bill. Mm. They produced it. They sent it. And what they're technically doing is saying, can you please sign and return for us to cash in? But they won't tell you that because they want you to pay out of your own pocket. Okay, very good. So That works with fines and anything that... Any bill that looks like it's got that header in it that looks like a check with the barcoding on it. The barcodings are the router number for the payment exchange. And the other one is saying which area of finance, because every bank in that they have their own code. Like we have our BSB, which recognizes the actual bank. And then you have your account number. Well, they have the next level. They have then their own, as the bank has its own BSB number if you want to call it that, with the Federal Reserve. And then the router number is the transaction number. You've probably seen a lot of movies. When they're hacking accounts and they're transferring accounts one from the other and they're doing it at the back office of that finance institution, they've accessed the router number and that's how they're hacking.
0: Okay. Now, I keep getting a lot of emails from people saying, I want to opt out of the ATO, and I explain to them, you can't actually opt out because you have a contract with them already. So what do we advise people on that? It just depends on what circumstances.
1: I'm using myself as an example, and there's many people in the members who are actually doing this. They unincorporate themselves. So they're still technically in the system, but the system has to leave you alone. You unincorporate, you get an ABN number, but I mean what they classified as a other unincorporated entity. So basically, I'm a foreigner, a non-profit offering a community service. So I'm not invoicing or charging. I'm not receiving an income. I do not have accounting for expenses and that. I don't collect GST. You can't collect GST as an unincorporated entity. So everything's GST exempt. You can't charge it, collect it, and then not pass it on. If you do that, then you are now removed yourself from that unincorporated situation and you're going back into where you were before. So there are limitations or conduct points to follow. So Mm. you can't break those. If you break those, you lose your entitlement as an unincorporated.
0: Right. So Um, when you unincorporate, you're actually putting yourself to live in private. Pretty much in their system.
1: And because they supply the ABN number and it's been approved at their back office, which usually is like Brad and Dunn Street, they usually then check it and sign off on it and that, then, yeah, the tax office have to leave you alone. They don't touch you. They don't audit you. They don't demand anything from you. There's no communication. There's no tax returns. There's no bookkeeping. There's none of that rubbish because you're actually receiving voluntary donation. You're not invoicing for profit or for income or anything like that. If you have an agreement or contract agreement or something like that, then you can use express trust contracts where you and the two organisations have a contractual agreement. And that way you're still out of the GST system. You remain outside
0: of the tax system. Okay. And do we need to know anything else about these documents?
1: There is follow-up letters which have been supplied today. They're very new. They've only just been placed in the living private. That's it. This is... Initially, the letter will start off with basically express trust contracts. That explains a little bit what an express trust contract is. An express trust is a common law private trust. Everything we take for granted these days where there's a bill given to you, that's a trust. It's a mini trust which you transact every day of your life, maybe quite a few times per day. Each occasion, there is a transaction happening. It's actually a trust within a trust as you go up the list. Eventually, it's your CQV trust. The CQV trust is the umbrella, and every little transaction you make is a trust agreement to contract. Whether you pay by money, or you pay, you agree with a signature, or it's electronically paid for, or by check, or credit card, both sides have agreed within a contract. So this gives you a short explanation how it works as we scroll down. That explains the letter was established the following, so proper identification. That's just breaking down what the letter is actually going to be covering, those five steps. Those five steps are the five steps of contract. So they sent us a bill to pay. They're saying here's an, an offer. They're offering you to agree and sign a, and, and agree to a contract. We're in return doing exactly the same thing. We've agreed. We sent you the remittance back to you, and this is the contract that you have agreed to by accepting that remittance. So this letter is uh, uh, this particular one is a letter you'd send to the say ATO or GovCorp, any GovCorp department who sent you a bill of any sort, getting you to pay it. We've gone through that process where we do the uh, return to a remittance, and if they want to push back on that idea and they don't agree with it, whatever, well, that's their choice. But that's unfortunate for them because you're not going to budge, you're not going to change. So what we've done is we've created this letter in simple English. It's governed around the five steps of what makes a contract, what's recognised as a contract. So as we scroll down, We'll get to the part after explains all this to you, so you understand the logic behind it all. And then, as we get down further, we now have dear sir, Madame. Now, this is the part that you can copy and paste this in an email, or you create your own letterhead and you can register post to them. All right. So you copy and paste all that. So it's between the cut-off lines. Uh, everything before and after, like the additional note there, you do not send that with the letter. Of course, that's for your notes. That's for you to understand. What's it's about they will ring or they might send a text message please ring us back you don't respond to text messages you wait till they ring you as soon as they ring you the standard practices are for educational purposes and whatever we're going to be recording this conversation well the straight answer would be i'm going to record this conversation also and mm-hmm. they'll reply oh we can't do that We can't allow that. We can't discuss this matter further if you're recording this conversation. Remember, they're recording it, right? You don't even record, but you can't. Say, I'll tell you what I'll do. You give me your name and your email address and I'll email you my reply. That's what you want. It must be always in writing. Don't get caught on the phone for five, 10 minutes discussing this verbally because you're contracting. You've joined it. Because the first thing they do and ask you is, for security reasons or purposes, can you give me your name? Can you confirm your address? Can you confirm your birth date? And all that other nonsense. Or what you're doing is you're contracting with them. You don't want that. You want them contracting with you. You've already accepted the contract. You've already sent a remittance. There's nothing more to discuss. That's it. They're just pushing the line over the line. So they're trying to get themselves out of that trustee role because they want the beneficiary role. They want to be able to be the custodians and dictate to you the beneficiary, and this is how the system works. So that's the body. This particular one is for the ATO and penalties, a gov court, basically. There is another one, slight different version of it, which is for utilities, which would be electric, phone, water, gas, whatever, your electricity bill. Any service provider or goods provider who's actually billing you with what looks like a check in their header. This is the utilities one. So it's been rewritten, different to the other one, Because we're communicating with a civil corporation, not a supposed government corporation. And this letter, as people read it, can't be any more basic English. If people read this stuff, they fast-track their own education. There's nothing to research themselves. They just have to read this and understand it. If they read it five times, believe me, all these little jigsaw pieces going in your head going, oh, this is all just confusing, this is overwhelming and all that, They're the ones causing the problem for themselves. They need to relax, get a cup of coffee, cup of tea, relax, do a bit of a thing, what do you call it, Where yoga maybe, just to relax the mind a bit and then just read the document, just for what it is. It's just something to read. No different than if they were taking up a book to read. Just read it. Brain will act as a sponge. It will take in and logically put into place in your mind who you actually are. And when you learn, this is how you can talk in court. This is how you can talk with every cop stop. This is how you talk because it trains your mind or reprograms your mind from what you're used to think,
0: the way you're thinking and conducting yourself. Hmm. All right, Matt. Thank you very much. I think that covers it adequately. I will put this up on the CIR on our website as I did the first one and I'll follow it on with a link from the first one to this one and I'll also make the documents available for download.
1: Now, I did a little bit ask about, I did bring out a document called Bill of Claim in Equity. That's the title of it. It's more legalese language. A lawyer understands it. A court, a judge will understand it, but for the layman, it's a lot to absorb. That's why these other two letters came in. They were created to combat that. So people, they understand in their own basic English Language, what they're reading, whereas the other document is a little bit heavy. But the other document still comes into play if you're going to court. You submit that as your affidavit and then you follow the spiel. The spiel is number three in the series. And we'll go through the spiel. It helps you train the brain to talk differently as the third person always. And not when they say, oh, one example is, what's your birth date? The trust birth date is such and such. But coincidentally, my live born date is the same date.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's how you have to talk because you're talking to the trustee on the phone and you've got to establish and remind them, did you not create the bill? Did mm. you not send that bill? And they might say, I didn't. And say, yes, but your employer, the corporation you work for sent it, correct? So you're therefore the trustee. You understand that, right? You're the trustee and you send it to the trust address. You didn't send it to me. You sent it to the trust address. I'm the beneficiary, the title holder of that trust that you're billing. I've sent it back to you. I've given you the instructions what to do with that document. You just receive it into your accounts receivable ledger. And then the next time you run down to the bank with all the other checks and that paid by other people, you include that in there. The bank will accept it over the counter as a check, as a payment. We don't have currency in this country. No. It's all fiat. It's all, I promise to pay you. And yet... That docket is being passed from one person to the next all the way up the line until it reaches your CQV trust and then they balance the accounting. <laughs> oh,
0: God. All right, mate. Thank you very much. All right, cheers. Yeah. Bye.
1: Pete Dawn is proud to announce the launch of a series of online learning courses that have been developed in collaboration with common law expert Mike Holtz. So if you want to learn about how to protect your rights, what common law is or indeed the depth of common law courts and how you can use them in your local community to seek justice. Sign up at
0: the link below. Dick Yardley's book, Australian political and religious leaders, treason, treachery and sabotage. Dick exposes how Whitlam, Hawke, Keating, Goss, Rudd and all the other fabians have destroyed our manufacturing and agriculture. If you want to know exactly how they have done it, get Dick's book at advanceaustralia.com.au and click on merchandise knowledge is power get the power to fight the corruption today